We're in the midst of this series that I'm calling Foundation, and we're thinking about a foundation for our understanding of Scripture and a foundation for our faith. And, and what we know is that so much of what we read in the Bible is based really on the truths that we find in Genesis 1 and 2 that talk about creation. Everything else is built on that. So it's important for us to understand what those passages mean. And so we've been exploring Genesis chapter 1 today, and I want us to come back to that in a few minutes and think specifically about one little part of Genesis chapter 1, and it's all about being made in the image of God. Now, images are really important, right? Images point to something that matters, either a, a photograph or an artistic image or some kind of piece of art that represents something else. And images can become so powerful that it's hard for us to separate the image from the reality, right? I've got three pictures that I think sort of show that. Here's the first one. That's the, the statue of Christ, the Redeemer, that sort of towers over the city of Rio in Brazil, right? When you see that, most of us immediately think of that city. And if we think of the city of Rio, for a lot of us, the very first thing that will come to mind is that statue. It has become an image for that city. One that packs a little more of an emotional impact is the second one. This comes from World War II, right? We see this picture, the flag being raised over the island of Iwo Jima. My guess is if Iwo Jima had not played a big part in World War II, in this picture, most of us would never have heard of it because it's just sort of a rocky island that's basically uninhabitable. But because it became important during that war, this photo of brave men raising this flag has become associated with it, and we can't really think about the one without the other. And then one that's a little closer to home, right? The Gateway Arch has really become a symbol of St. Louis, not just here, but across the world. When people see that, they think of the city of St. Louis. And when they think of St. Louis, this usually comes to mind. It's become an image. Now, images are very powerful and and when scripture says that we are created in the image of God, we have to think about what that means. And so today I want us to do that. Now, this is not the easiest of material, I'll be honest, but I think it's really important for us to gain this understanding because it speaks into how we think about God, how we understand ourselves, and what our relationship with God is really like. So walk with me through this. We're, we're going to come back to Genesis 1. We're at the end of the chapter. It's day six of creation. Everything has been brought into existence. We're told that God created everything. He then carefully orders it, as we've talked about. And then at the end, he creates humanity. And this is how it's described in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image. Now, we talked last week about why God would refer to himself sort of in the plural, let us make mankind. If you missed last week, go back and listen to that because I don't want to repeat that information and, and it's all important. So let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness. 
So there is something of God that has been placed on us. Now, we're not like miniature gods, lesser gods to be worshipped. That's not what anything in Genesis chapter 1 says. But there is something of God that is placed on us. Something, some way in which we are like God. Now, what does that mean? Well, all I know is it's really important because in the next verse it's repeated and then repeated again. Verse 27, so God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. The author is making clear, regardless of who you are, where you live, okay, you are created in the image of God. Now, I don't know about you, but I've been hearing that verse my whole life. Maybe you have too, or at least since you began exploring Christianity or became a Christian. And if you're like me, you thought, what in the world does that even mean, right? What does it mean to say, in what way am I in the image of God? Okay, how am I like God in his likeness? And, and scholars have been debating that literally for thousands of years. Jewish scholars thought about it, and then Christian scholars have thought about it. And it's like, okay, in what way are we in the image of God? Well, maybe it's that we have the ability to think, right? I mean, God can reason through things and, and maybe that ability to think that's given by God is the way that we are made in God's image. Or maybe it's our consciousness. Or maybe it's that we have an eternal soul. God is eternal from before the beginning, but will stretch into eternity in the future and he's given us that as well. Maybe that's the way we are made in God's image. All kinds of things can come up. Is it one of those things? Is it a combination of those things? Maybe. The answer is, I don't know exactly. And I'm not sure it's even the right question. So instead of thinking, in what way are we made in the image of God? Maybe the better question for this passage is, what does it mean that we're made in the image of God? What is the writer of Genesis telling us about ourselves and our relationship with God when he says we're made in the image of God? What does that say about the way that we live our lives? I think those are actually better and more interesting questions for us to answer. So that's what I want us to think about today. What does it mean that I'm made in the image of God? How does that change how I understand myself and how I live my life? And I think the only way to answer that question is to do our very best, and this is a hard thing to do, to do our very best to step back and try to understand how people in the ancient world would have heard this passage. We're a long way from removed from that, right? We are not ancient Jews. We're 21st century Americans, and we come to this with sort of a different set of understandings, presuppositions than they did. So let's back up and think about their culture, and I think we'll get some glimpses of what this means and why God would say that we are made in his image and in his likeness. Now, first thing, if you read through Genesis 1 and 2, and I hope you will, if you haven't already done that in the process of this series, do so, and you'll find that Genesis 1 and Genesis 2 are really different. Not just different in the way they tell the story, but in their style, in their tone. If you read Genesis 2, it's almost like it could begin with once upon a time. Not that it's not true, that's not the point, but that it, it sounds like a story. There's interplay between characters, okay? Genesis 1 is much more 
formal language, okay? It is carefully ordered, just like creation itself. And, and it's very likely that Genesis 1 was written for use in the temple, probably by some priestly author, okay? Somebody who's associated with the priest wrote this to be used, to be read aloud in the temple during worship services, okay? So this is a formal occasion. And what we find is that the language that we read in Genesis chapter 1 is very much like the language we read when we're told about the construction of the tabernacle, the place that the people worshiped God, and even the temple of God. Okay, that makes sense, right? If, if it's sort of used for worship, then the language might be similar for when something else is constructed for God. So what do we have? We have the temple laid out very carefully, right? We can almost create a model of the temple by the, by the instructions we see in Scripture because they are so exacting. Genesis chapter 1, God creates, and then God carefully orders that creation. And in the middle of the temple, we have this very holy place. And in the middle of creation which is sort of like God's temple in the way that it's described, we have the Garden of Eden, right in the middle. Now, if you're, you're living in the ancient world and you hear about the construction of a temple to any god, here's what you expect. You expect that there's going to be courtyards and in the middle there's going to be what's called the sanctuary. And in that sanctuary, they're going to place an idol, an image. They're going to carve a likeness of their God out of wood and they're going to hammer precious metals on it to make it appear like it's made out of gold. They're going to dress it. They're going to bring offerings to it. And it's going to be placed in that, that very inner courtyard of the temple, the, the most holy place, the, the middle of this building. The image of their God. Now, it's not the God. They recognize that. But it's, it's an image, an idol to their God. Now let's go back to creation. Language of creation, very similar to language of temple building. Very orderly, very careful. And in the center of this whole worldwide temple, if you will, is the Garden of Eden, sort of the most holy place. And what does God place in that garden? Human beings made in His image. And so when the temple's built later on, when the people of Israel receive the Ten Commandments, what does it say? It says, don't make some idol for me. God says, I don't need an idol. I don't need you to carve anything out of wood or metal and place it in the temple. In fact, I'm forbidding that you ever do that. And I think that only makes sense because there was already something made in God's image. You and me. Humanity, placed at the very heart, the most important part of creation. We are God's image. Now let's go a step further. Many people in the ancient world believed that the gods, okay, sort of completed and accomplished their work through the image, through the idol. So if you wanted a son... You'd take a sacrifice to the idol and you'd leave it there. 
If you wanted more crops, you'd take a sacrifice to the idol and you'd leave it there. If you wanted to succeed in battle, you'd take the idol with you and the army into battle against your enemy and you believe your God is going to work through that idol to do his work to help you win. What do we see in Scripture? God says, I don't need a, a, an image made for me. I've got, I've got what I've made is in my image. Humanity is in my image. And what does God choose to do? He chooses to accomplish his work through that which is made in his image. Us. We see over and over again that God chooses to do his work through us. Now, the gods of the other people around Israel, they saw humanity as potential sex partners and slave labor. This is how we're going to get what we want done, done. We're going to make them do it. What does God do? God invites us in, made in his image, to participate in his work, to be part of his work, not to be forced to do it, but to become part of what God is doing, a partner with God. It's a whole different setup. The sense of respect, because we're made in his image, not just slaves to be told what to do, but to participate in God, with God in what he's already doing. So, when God wants to speak to his people, God could have just said, okay, here's the message and spoken from heaven. But instead, what does God do? He invites a human being made in his image to be a prophet and speak his word to the people. When God wants to do the greatest work in all of history, what did he do? He became one of us in his image and lived among us and died like we do and was raised from the dead. God has chosen to accomplish his work through us, those who are made in his image. And it's clear that part of what God has called us to do is to bear his image, since we are made in his image, to then reflect that image to the rest of creation. So that's why in verse 26 it says, okay, let's make them in our image so that they can have dominion over, rule over the rest of creation. I'm going to do my work through them. I'm going to care for creation. I'm going to allow them to reflect my image to all of creation. And so we're given opportunity and responsibility to care for creation. And we're given opportunity and responsibility to reflect who God is to each other and to the rest of humanity. You see how God takes us shows tremendous respect and honor for that which he has created in his image and entrusts this job for us to do. And so the message is humanity is created and bears God's image. We are called to reflect the image of God. That's who we are. That, that's part of what it means to be created in God's image. We have this job of reflecting who God is to the people around us. Now, as you hear that, and you say, okay, I, I sort of get that. We don't always know what it means that, okay, in, in what way am I created in God's image, but all right, I get that. We, we, were, we were created in God's image. We're, we're at the very heart of creation. 
Okay, I get that part. I get that, that God is accomplishing His work through us. He's called us to be partners in His work. I get that. I get that I'm supposed to reflect God's image to the people around me and that people should see God through me. But, but maybe your answer to that today is, I've done a pretty terrible job of that. Maybe you would say today, I've, I've messed up. I mean, there's some... If you look in my past, if you look in my life, there's some messed up stuff there. Yeah. That's true for every one of us. We all got some messed up stuff. Because you see, that's, that's the way it works. God created us to bear His image. And the forces of evil at work in our world. Man, if we were created for the purpose of bearing God's image, the forces of evil are going to do everything they can to keep us from doing that. And how do the forces of evil mar the image of God in us? And the two greatest weapons are sin and its consequence, death. Because when we sin, we are choosing, hey, I'm not going to reflect the image of God. Instead, I'm going to choose all the stuff that I want that's called idolatry. I'm choosing another God because these things are more important to me than serving God. So I'm not going to do it. That's sin. And sin leads to death. And if we're dead, we're hardly reflecting the image of God to the world around us. So, so if we've all failed in this, how are we possibly doing the work that God has called us to do? And in fact, what we're told is that, that that's exactly what Jesus came to deal with. All the way over at the other end of our Bibles, Colossians chapter 3, Paul's writing. And in Colossians chapter 3, Paul is really saying, okay, you've been baptized into Jesus. You're a follower of Jesus. These are the things that need to change. Here's a picture of what it means to be a baptized believer, a follower of Jesus. This is the life you should live. And so he's laying out a list of things. And in that list, we pick up sort of in the middle of it. Colossians 3, verse 9. Here's one thing you don't do. Do not lie to each other. Okay? Don't, don't tell each other falsehoods. Why? Since you have taken off your old self with its practices and put on the new self, which is being renewed in the image, in the knowledge, in the image of its creator. You see what Paul's doing? This thing that you've taken on since you've decided to follow Jesus, it is being renewed and restored in knowledge in the image of God. And he doesn't say God, does he? He says Creator. Why? Because he's pointing back to Genesis 1. And so when I say that everything in Scripture is sort of built on these first couple of chapters, that's exactly what I'm talking about. Thousands of years later, Paul refers back to this and tells us Part of the work of Jesus is that he knows that we were created in the image of God and we have messed that up and he came to restore that image so that once again, we could reflect who God is to the people around us. And that affects the way that we live. 
And there's all kinds of things we could talk about, but to put it simply, we're called to live our lives to reflect God. And so God is at work in you. And what he wants to do is to show other people around you who he is. So live your life to reflect God. And that may mean some changes have to be made because you may look in your life and say, man, there are some clear areas where what I'm doing is not reflecting the image of God. That needs to change. I need to live in a new way, the way that I treat my spouse, my kids, the way I spend my money, the way that I treat the people I work with. The language I use, the things I do, all need to change because I'm called to reflect the image of God. And then also to do the work of God. If we're called to live this life loving God and loving others, I mean, those are ways that we reflect God's image. So do the work of God. If God has chosen to accomplish His work through that which is made in His image, then we're called to do it. And that really does affect the way that we live everyday life and how we treat the people who surround us all the time. Do people know who God is because they've spent time with you? And that's a question for us to ask ourselves really at the end of every single day. Have I reflected the image of God? And if we haven't, then we go back to Paul and say, God, will you restore that which was made in your image? Will you recreate me in your image? Because I want to spend my life reflecting who you are. You see, this theme runs all the way through Scripture and on up into our lives today that we are made in God's image image in his likeness and that changes who we are let's pray together god we want people to know who you are by being around us and we know all too well that we've messed that up and so god we come before you asking for forgiveness and new life and a restoration of your image on our hearts and our souls and our bodies so that once again we can more fully reflect the image of the one who created us. So God, change us, mold us, make us, help us to see what we're doing wrong in this so that we can more clearly reflect your image. Pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.